Ever since I was a kid, I have had kind of a fascination with buildings. And for a long time, I really wanted to be an architect from probably 7th or 8th grade up until about junior year of high school when I learned how hard it is actually to get along and be an architect and how many years it would actually take before I would get to do what I wanted to do. And I was a little lazy. And so I didn't really follow that track at all. But I never lost the sense of wonder of how buildings are built to begin with, but then also their design and their purpose. Case in point, you drive into this parking lot and you see pretty bland buildings. Well, they're just built to house things that go on inside. And so there really isn't a specific purpose for the buildings other than to provide space. And they do that well. It serves our congregation very well over the past six years here. But there are some buildings that actually have a little more intention in what they're there for. A great example is art museums, right? I go to art museums every now and then and I get frustrated. Mainly because you walk around an art museum and there's this room with this theme and there's that room with that theme and that room with that theme and you walk around this room and do a spiral and walk around this room And then you go to this room and wonder if you made it to this room. But what about that room? And what's going on over here? And it just gets kind of confusing. So I love the design of the Guggenheim Art Museum. And we have this first picture. If you've never seen it, it's beautiful, right? Absolutely gorgeous building as you look at it from the outside. But it's designed as an art museum with a very specific purpose. Instead of people meandering all around, you take a ride up to the top and you spiral down. And you get to see every single piece of artwork on your path, and you're not going to miss anything. And it's a very easy flow, and no longer are you concerned about where you're at, because there's only one direction to go, and you actually get to sit and see the art. I've never been there. Um, But I do remember a movie making a joke about roller skating at the Guggenheim. I thought that would be really funny. But it's a beautifully designed building, very simple in its design, very thoughtful in it. There's another building that I did have a chance to go to that absolutely overwhelmed me. And this is the St. Louis Basilica Cathedral. So this is in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, it's kind of almost on the way down to downtown. And it's one of those buildings that you feel its presence. And what I mean by that is kind of like the disciples when you hear in the Gospels, right, that they're coming out of the temple with Jesus and you see them awestruck at the stones that are used as they're building the temple walls and putting the temple together and as Herod is finishing things off and making it glorious in this second temple creation that they had and rightly so those stones were roughly 40 feet long by eight feet deep by four feet tall that's a big stone that's a big piece of rock and they had a number of them layered together and built on top of each other as they built the walls for that temple an amazing structure. But this basilica is close, nowhere near in the size of block that's used, but it's the same idea. When you walk up to it, it's one that you start to walk and almost bend because you can feel the weight of the building as you get up near it because it is so big. And as you get close, the weight of the building just kind of emanates. And so you kind of start to feel like you're moving towards something that's bigger than you. And you should. You're going to a place where God promises his presence. 
It's not comfortable. It's not easy to walk up to or familiar. You walk up to it and you're like, this is huge. And something bigger than me is going on here. The same thing happens when you go inside. Because when you go inside this building, when you go inside this basilica, it's actually one of the largest, if not the largest collection of mosaic artwork, at least in the United States. Every square inch of near every wall and definitely every square inch of the ceiling is covered in about half inch to one inch tile mosaics. From gold leaf to glass to tile, anything that they could put together for the artwork to tell the stories of scripture and even some history of Missouri up in this space of this basilica. But you walk in and the light just reflects all over the place. And some people would walk in and say, this is way too much for me. This is too much going on. There's no way any place should be designed quite like this. It's overwhelming. I get it. But that's also its purpose. You see, churches throughout history, especially in medieval time, when they would have all the flying buttresses that would come off the sides of the buildings or the... uh, cathedrals that were kind of cruciform in shape as you walk into them and the nave would be really long but then you would have these side vegetables and if you looked at it from the air it would be a cross on the ground right designed to tell scripture and then designed to carry a voice but carry a voice in a very loud way with no amplification at all and a voice that would resound throughout and so when you walk into a space like that you get the feeling that you are not outside in the regular world anymore, but you are transported into something that's bigger than you and brought into a space that is absolutely overwhelming to the senses in many ways. But look at the very center of the picture. And I'm sorry, folks, watching this later on video. Nope, go back one, Scott. Look at the very center of the picture. And on video, I know you don't get to see it. I'm sorry. Look up the St. Louis Basilica. You'll know what I'm talking about. You see a very bright white Christ right in the middle. It stands out above everything else that's going on, and they actually have a skylight that shines down and other lights that shine on him. So no matter what time of day, that is the brightest focal point in the entire basilica. It's really quite amazing. And sometimes I start to wonder, have we lost a little bit of that sense of wonder or awe of going into a place where God promises to be. You see, we very much like a familiar Jesus or a familiar God, one that we can wrap our heads around, one that can come help us in a time of need, but I can go to and I know is going to be safe and okay. But God never promises really to be safe. He's the creator of the universe. He's the one that would come in judgment. He's the one that flooded the earth because of sin. And to be able to come into his presence as unholy sinners, into a holy presence, is absolutely mind-boggling. And sometimes I think we start to take that for granted a little bit. We come to church for various reasons. We come to hear the word of God. We come to gather with church family. We come maybe out of duty or loyalty or habit, and all of those things are good and well and fine. But I encourage you to never forget that you're actually coming into a place where God himself has promised to be. It's always been that way. I mean, think back to the temple. 
right? And as Isaiah is talking about being in the temple, and now, Scott, you can definitely go to the next one, but think about being in the temple, right? The whole temple grounds, the whole temple mount, which is huge and can handle several hundred thousand people standing up there at once, and then you have the gates as you get closer, and then the temple building itself with the altar outside for particular sacrifices, and then you go in some doors, there's another altar of incense and things that are there, and then into the Holy of Holies one time a year, one high priest can go on behalf of all the people to take their prayers to God. And the people were so worried about that high priest on whether or not he was righteous enough or whether or not the sacrifices took hold that they would tie a rope around his ankle and put bells on his shawl so that as he was in there and doing the duty on behalf of all the people, lest he die in the presence of God, they could pull him out. That's how much they knew God was present there because God had promised. He said, in this place, in this room, at this location, I will be present for my people and you will know you are my people because you will know I am present with you here. And that's what the Jews held on to. As they went around through the wilderness, God was present in the tabernacle. As Solomon built the temple and God said, I will be here. In the exile, God removed his presence from there. As they were gathered back together into Jerusalem, he said, I will be here. And that's what they built. And that's whom they worshiped in that space. So as we hear Isaiah's words and he says, as I came into the temple and was overwhelmed with the presence of the Lord as his robe filled the entire space. And as this place was overwhelming, we wonder, is this just a vision of heaven and he's calling it a temple? Or is this kind of a thought of the Holy of Holies inside the temple? Well, for the Jew, yeah, it was both. Because that was the spot where God said heaven and earth are going to overlay right here. Whether it's heaven or whether it's inside the Holy of Holies, it was God's presence. And as Isaiah was before him, we go ahead and go to this next one. And so as you go to that next slide, you see that little figure down at the very bottom there. You see Isaiah sitting in the presence of this holy God. And his first reaction as he sees this holy God with seraphim, wrapped around, and that's kind of an interesting one if they were covering themselves or if they were covering the Lord so Isaiah could kind of be in his presence. But as he's sitting there and the seraphim are flying around and crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Holy is the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty. And the doorposts and thresholds are shaking at the sound of the voices and the clamor of everything that's going on in this space where God promises to be present. Isaiah falls on the ground saying, Lord, I am a sinner, a man of unclean lips who dwells in the midst of a people of unclean lips, and there is absolutely no reason I should be in your presence. In fact, I'm surprised I'm still alive. I shouldn't be here. Woe is me. And so as he's laid out flat on the ground where we find ourselves in confession, right? I think about the beginning of the service. I say, we're gathered together in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. And we say, oh, that's right. That's God's name. That's God's place. This is God's house. This is where God promises to be for us in word and sacrament. This is where he promises to be in His people, be with his people. And we stop and we say, I'm sorry for all I've done that separates me from you, Lord. 
I'm sorry for everything that has broken our relationship and everything I've done that has hurt others and everything I've done that has broken me away from you. I'm sorry, I shouldn't be in your presence. Then we sit in silence for a little bit. Because we know we can't do anything to get ourselves to God and we can't do anything to forgive ourselves or make ourselves righteous. And so you sit in silence and you wait for a word. A word of forgiveness. A word of hope, a word that makes you righteous, not because I am saying it, but because God spoke it through Christ and I get to pronounce it to you and say you are forgiven on account of all that Christ has done for you and so that you would know it's certain and for you, you hear me say, I forgive you all your sins. I don't just announce it and say that it happened, but you get to hear God's forgiveness for you in your ears so that you know it's for you, so that you know his word are there. You don't just have to remember them, you actually get to hear them spoken. It kind of lifts your heart, doesn't it? You see, you hear those words. Isaiah was laid flat on the ground, and one of the seraphim come over, and he grabs a coal from the altar of the sacrifices that's there, and he grabs grabs a coal from the altar, and as Isaiah is worried about his speech, and his lips, and all that goes on with the things that he says, the seraphim says, look, I'm going to purify that. I'm going to cleanse him. By God's hand, sending a messenger ahead to Isaiah to cleanse him of anything that he needed cleansing of. Thankfully, we don't have an altar with burning coals on it, because that would be painful. But what we do have is Christ. See, we don't have coals coming from an altar of a sacrifice, but we do have Christ from the altar of the cross who is given to you. You see, as he promises his body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins as they were broken and shed for you, you receive that into your hands. That is Jesus present for you. The Holy Spirit then works through that preached word and through the uh, bleh, through the red word of Scripture and through the preaching of His Word, and the Spirit works through that to strengthen your faith and guide you in life as the Spirit points you to Christ who shows you the love of the Father. How beautiful is that? You see, we come into this presence sometimes, and it's very familiar, and it's wonderful, and we love seeing everybody. But sometimes we might not quite be as awestruck as maybe we are. Because we just get familiar with things. And again, that's okay. Because God has made us righteous in Christ to be able to be in his presence. And we thank God for that. But lest we ever think that we have done that on our own or it's our sacrifices or our offerings or our doings that bring us to God. Those are the things we need to confess. And those are the things that we're forgiven for. And we give thanks to God that by his son he has made us his own children, and brought us together as family. See, because as you look at this altar, I want you to again imagine, and some of you have heard me say this before, and I forgot to mention it this morning. But as you look at this altar, I want you to think of the other half of this table extending off into a place you can't see. And I want you to think of this communion rail not as a half circle, but a full circle. And on the other side of that altar is the exact same host that serves you Here, as Christ stands and gives of himself for his people, 
and we here as saints gathered together in faith, there the saints that have gone before, our loved ones who have died in faith, receiving from the hand of the Lord the very blessed marriage feast of the Lamb, the fullness of all that God has for His saints into eternity, sitting on the other side of that rail as we commune together with them in the presence of God. That's something to think on when you walk up to here. To know that those of yours who have died in faith and that you love are sitting there with Jesus on the other side of the altar enjoying a way better meal than a wafer and a little bit of cheap wine. But to know that Christ is present in all of it. That Christ is present in all of that to be here with his people and in the midst of his church. That's the presence that God promises here. That's the God presence that God promises when his word is spoken, when his gifts are given, as he gathers his family together now and into eternity. For Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are present for our good. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us as you have shown your love for us through Christ and as you continue to work in our lives and point us to him by your spirit. We look forward to that day when Christ returns, where all of your family is gathered together, raised from the dead and all sufferings done away with, so that we would be joined together as one family before you. When heaven and earth are reunited in your presence as creator is there once again with your creation. We look forward to that day, Lord. So in this day, we pray that you continue to hold us strong and faithful by your spirit. Continue to speak your words of forgiveness into our life because we need to hear them. In your Son, Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.